Good morning. You may be seated. Thank y'all for coming out on this nice spring morning as we celebrate Christmas. Um, it is uh, not what I expected for, I guess this is the second Sunday in December. I'm, I may come out of this jacket before the service is over with. So, uh, But we are so glad that you're here. Merry Christmas and welcome on this, our third Sunday of Advent. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. As you're turning, let me just give you a few announcements. Uh, first of all, this evening we are going to be doing a, a bonfire and Christmas carols. So uh, something we've never done before. COVID has caused us to do all sorts of things we've never done before. We're going to be around back. So uh, we would encourage you to come out and uh, have a good time with us. Um, if, if any of you that are here could bring, uh, now we're going to have a big bonfire, but if anybody could bring a small little fire pit this evening or sometime this afternoon, if you'll let me know before you leave today, so I'll just uh, have that, that would be beneficial. So come out and enjoy that tonight. Uh, we'll have some uh, uh, guitarists and maybe other stringed instruments, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, we'll sing Christmas carols and hopefully just have a good time starting at six o'clock this evening, have some marshmallows that the kids can roast and things of that nature. If you're concerned about some of the touching and all, bring your own marshmallows and your own sticks and nobody, seriously, nobody will be offended by that. Um, uh, next Sunday night, we do have our candlelight service. We are hoping uh, that that will be outside, out front. I'm actually looking forward to that. It's kind of uh, always been something I want to do, an outdoor candlelight service, but I couldn't convince y'all to do that as long as we didn't have a pandemic. But see, now I can get my way, and I'm very excited about it. So if the weather cooperates, we'll be outside for a candlelight service. Um, following the service this morning, any of our children who are fifth grade and under who were not here on Wednesday night when our children's ministry did Jesus' birthday party, uh, y'all go see Miss Rhonda. She's going to want you to meet with her over there at the sort of near the entrance of the uh, offices, and she'll give you some instructions from there, but she'll meet with you somewhere up there on the concrete. So any of our children, fifth grade and under, who were not here on Wednesday night. Finally, before we get into the message this morning, I just want to go ahead. I've, um, you're going to continue to be flooded with information about this, but uh, you've already seen a lot of information. Next year, so beginning in January, uh, which is not as far away as it may seem, uh, we are going to be working our way together as a church through the Bible. If you've never read through the Bible from cover to cover, we want you to do that with us next year. Uh, we've sent you some emails about that. There will be a web page going live this week with resources about that. We will be stuffing your bulletins with Bible reading guides in another week or so. They are already available indoors. We want you to go ahead and get prepared so that on January the 1st, you can join with us. We're going to read through the Bible together. We're going to preach through the Bible together. Our life groups are going to work through the Bible together. Uh, January 3rd, will be our, we're re-kicking our life groups back off on January the 3rd after a three-week hiatus. So that is going to be our emphasis for 2021. If you've never read through the Bible, this is your opportunity. We're going to do it together. So I just want you to go ahead and be praying with me and looking forward to that opportunity. Having said all of that, hopefully you've made it to Isaiah chapter 9. And I'm going to read to you this morning from Isaiah 9, beginning in verse 1. Please stand with me in honor of God's Word. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish in the former time. He brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. 
But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that you would speak to us through your word. As this third Sunday that we have now been in this same passage of Scripture, I pray, Lord God, that you would show us something that you've never shown us before. Lord God, even more than showing us, Lord God, I pray that you would speak to us words that we've never heard before, that you would change us in ways that we've never been changed before, that, Father God, we would understand the joy of the Lord in a way that we've never understood before, and that, Father God, we would go from this place proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in ways we may never could have imagined. Be at work among us in Jesus' name. Amen. The joy of the Lord. Where is joy found? We're in Isaiah 9 this morning for the third Sunday in a row. But way back in Nehemiah chapter 8, we find a pivotal moment returning, excuse me, following the return of the Israelites to Jerusalem and the completion of the wall around that great city. In celebration, the people gathered before the water gate, and Ezra the priest mounted a platform to read to them from the law of God. At this point, the people were no doubt elated and exhausted. They had accomplished a task that many didn't believe even possible, and had done it at breakneck speed. You remember the story, perhaps. After the Israelites returned from exile, they were sent back to Jerusalem according not only to the decree of a king, but certainly according to the prophetic word of God. They faced mounting challenges to the rebuilding of the walls surrounding Jerusalem. The threat grew so extreme that the workers on the wall had to arm themselves against possible invasion. They had spent days on end in a state of constant vigilance and fatigue. And now they stand back, they look at the wall that has been completed and the gates that have been hung. They gather together to celebrate and to hear from the Lord. But something very interesting happened. As they heard the law of God read and explained, the people wept. They prayed, they worshipped, they praised, and they wept. They wept because they understood the law of this God that they worshipped. 
They looked into the mirror of God's word and saw two things clearly. They saw the glory and the majesty of their God. And they saw the reality of their own sinful estate. As we gather and look toward Christmas, we also look at the fact that we have been worshiping in this very strange format now since Easter. I am so glad that we can be together for worship, but my greatest concern is that this odd format, this distanced format, this laid-back and relaxed atmosphere makes it possible that we might approach God in a very laid-back and relaxed way, that we might neglect to understand that He is holy and righteous. As we gather for this third Sunday of Advent, we celebrate the joy of the Lord. But when Ezra announced the joy of the Lord is your strength, all the way back in Nehemiah chapter 8, he did so in the midst of the reading of God's law. Ezra announced God's joy in the midst of the people's brokenness and repentance. What is joy? The joy of the Lord. It's confidence in God's finished work on your behalf. It is confidence in God's grace and providence. The joy of the Lord is our protection and strength. It is our shield and our salvation. The joy of the Lord, the zeal of the Lord, as Isaiah says, will accomplish all of these things. But where is joy found what is this joy we've been in isaiah 9 now for three weeks and some of you may wonder how in the world are we going to continue to squeeze a little bit more out of it folks i'm going to tell you there's so much in there that i think we could be in it for another 15 weeks and not get everything in it that god has put in those passages those few verses of scripture And this morning in that passage, as we continue to dig in, to dissect, to peel apart the layers, we see that there is a word for us about the victory of the Lord. And the first thing we see this morning is that there is joy found in God's victory. Joy in victory. But Not so much our victory, though certainly we know something about that, don't we? We know what it is to be joyful when good things happen, but here we're speaking primarily of the joy in Christ's victory. When Ezra read the law, the people were broken and distraught. He urged them to rejoice and to not mourn because the joy of the Lord was going to be their strength or their protection. Remember, these were people who were oppressed, who were threatened. They had armed themselves as they built the wall. So much so that as they carried the burdens for the wall, they would carry a weapon in one hand and the wheelbarrow or whatever it would be in the other hand. That perhaps as they laid block or they laid brick, as they built up this wall, they kept their sword or their spear or their bow in their hand or strapped to their side or on their back, everything was always at the ready. 
They lived in constant fear from the outside. And as they gathered, they realized that though they had found safety from the outside world, they were suddenly walled in with this God who was far more dangerous than the enemies beyond them. We forget the glory, the holiness, the majesty of this God so many times. Here at Christmas, we tend to believe that God is something like Santa Claus, a sweet, kind, cuddly grandfather in the sky just waiting to coddle us up. When we read, we learn, we hear of God's love. We give God's love a G rating. We trivialize him. But the people in Nehemiah's day, the people to whom Ezra was speaking and reading, and keep in mind, I keep using two different names. Nehemiah was the governor sent by the king. Ezra was the priest. They worked together with two different roles. But when Ezra read the law of God to the people of God, what they began to understand is that this God whom they served was holy, righteous, majestic, and terrifying. And so as they heard the law read, they began to weep because they understood that though the wall had been built, though the city had been occupied, the hearts of the people were still far from the God who deserved their worship. They looked into the mirror. Yesterday afternoon, I had to drive up to Greenville for a wedding. I got dressed at the house. I looked into the mirror, and my hair was doing this. I brushed it. I looked back, and it was still doing this. I don't know why. I have this cowlick in the middle. It's right up here somewhere or something. It could be a bald spot. I have no idea what causes it. Probably just thinning hair. It's age, I'm sure. But I have this hump that develops if I don't get my hair cut regularly. Well, I'd planned to get my hair cut a couple of weeks ago, and then we ended up on a quarantine. And then I got to thinking, you know, I don't want to be quarantined over Christmas, so I've decided I'm not going to get my hair cut till after Christmas because I, I want to see my mama at Christmas. And so I'm just going to put the brakes on, and I can wait. But I also recognize the mirror doesn't lie to me. This beard keeps doing this, and my hair keeps doing that. Yesterday... I realized that the beard keeps getting grayer and the hair keeps getting thinner. And if Angela keeps feeding me the way she has, there's going to be all kind of things that go wrong. You know, the mirror just doesn't lie to me. It tells me what's there. Watch this. It doesn't matter if I like it or not. It tells me what's there. Sometimes that mirror will break your heart. The mirror of God's Word broke the heart of God's people because they realized where the mark was and how far away they had drifted and they wept. Yet what's interesting is that in the midst of this weeping, in the midst of this brokenness, Ezra says that they need to stop their mourning, stop their weeping. Why? Because you're good enough. If you'll just look inside of yourself, there's plenty there. No, he didn't say that at all, did he? See, what they were looking towards was the day of atonement. And this matters. See, Ezra didn't look at the people and sort of paste over 
their sins, whitewash their sins, cover their sins. There were holes in the walls, and Ezra didn't hang pictures and posters. Ezra said, do not weep and mourn, because the joy of the Lord will be your strength. The zeal of the Lord. Another word there for strength is protection. Ezra wanted the people to whom he was speaking, to whom he was preaching, to understand that though their sins were as scarlet, the hope of God coming on the day of atonement was that they could stand safe and secure. There is joy in victory. In Isaiah 9, the people who dwelt in darkness have seen a great light. They were joyful because the light had appeared. They knew they were in the dark. They understood the victory. Folks, do you understand the victory here at Christmas? Do you understand the darkness of sin and shame that has been overcome? Do you understand the salvation that has been wrought on your behalf? Do you understand the holiness of this God, the darkness of your sin, and the joy that is to be found in the grace of that was given in the incarnation, the crucifixion, and the incredible resurrection of our Savior. There is joy in victory. Second, this morning, there is joy in darkness. Now, I know it seems like we're kind of moving backwards, doesn't it? I just said that Jesus has overcome the darkness. But it's, it's not just this big darkness. We know that even for those of us who belong to Christ... The darkness can creep in. We can find ourselves in the midst of hard days. Sometimes those are hard days that are very palpable and understandable to the entire world around us, right? When you find yourself with a bad diagnosis from the doctor, when you find yourself grieving the loss of a loved one, those are hard days. I was even talking with some of our parents who are a little bit ahead of me this week who were talking about the the grieving process of the children leaving home. And, and, and the process of grieving when kids go off to college or when kids get married and, and how that, that creates a darkness that you have to fight against, a heaviness. We, we even know that sometimes there is the darkness of, 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 of mental health struggle, the darkness of depression. We know that in the midst of this, this COVID pandemic year, we talk with people who are struggling we, talk, we, think, we think especially about our, our nursing home residents, for instance, who have not been able to have visitors for, what now, eight months. Perhaps some of your loved ones who have had to live in quarantine and not been able to really get out of their house for a number of months. Some of our own church members who are watching at home right now because they just can't be here. And in the midst of those days, the darkness encroaches upon us. But do you know that even in the midst of the darkness, you can still have joy in the hard times. Joy because even in the darkest night, the light of Christ still shines. They walked in darkness, but the light has come. Next Sunday night, we're going to have our candlelight service outdoors. I already mentioned that. Y'all, I'm I'm so excited. I hope y'all come. Okay, And I really hope it doesn't rain because if it rains, I'm going to be so, so disappointed. But it's going to be beautiful. We're going to do it right out here in the front. We're going to give you your little candles. We, we saw it on TV, so we hope that they'll stay lit. 
if it's windy. I don't know how this is going to all work. I've got my doubts. I've got some concerns about it, but I'm, I'm excited about it, okay? I'm excited for us to be able to gather. And you know what? It doesn't matter how dark it is. Here's what I know. I know that when I light a candle, the light will shine. I know that as we gather on the front lawn of the church with candles in song, regardless of how dark the light is next Sunday, the light from those candles will shine. See, that's the joy of the Lord, the joy that shines in the darkest of nights. There's joy in the victory, yes, but not every day feels victorious. The light shined on Easter morning. But listen, the light shined in the darkness of a tomb. Do you understand that in the midst of our darkest days, Jesus is still alive and present, and the light of the gospel shines even when the darkness around us seems thick. There's joy in the darkness. Third this morning, there's joy in remembering. I mentioned this on Wednesday night for those of you that tuned in, but Ben Rector wrote a new song for Thanksgiving this year, and I I, I love it. I'm convinced that it's probably the most intentionally nostalgic song ever written. Uh, and, and I mean, I love Thanksgiving anyway. And so this song really just, just fit so well. And it captures the season for me when he sings. Because the older that I get, I see that life is short and bittersweet. Thank God for this Thanksgiving day. So much of Thanksgiving and Christmas, so much of the joy wrapped up in it is the joy of memory. The joy of remembering. It's a nostalgic joy. Right? There are the things that you can't help but reflect upon. One of the greatest joys for me as a preacher is that I don't have to be overly creative at Christmas time. I'm preaching the same passage for the third Sunday in a row. And as far as I know, none of you have gone home and complained. Why are we reaching Isaiah 9? It's Christmas. I can preach Luke 2 every Sunday at Christmas and everybody will be okay. We can talk about the shepherds over and over and the angels in the starry sky. Listen, every Christmas musical you ever heard was the same thing. They're all the same, and we keep showing up. We keep coming back because there's a joy in remembering. There's a joy in the things that are the anchors, those those places that are safe. Remembering that Christ is came brings us joy remembering what christ has done brings us joy let me ask you this when is the last time that you contemplated your salvation when when have you remembered and reflected upon what christ has done for you when have you surveyed the cross or contemplated the manger bed There is joy in remembering. There is joy there. On Wednesdays, we're we're not doing a Wednesday night service uh, uh, publicly. What we're doing is recording those. We're recording on Wednesday mornings at 10 o'clock. And at 10 o'clock, we've got a small handful of folks that are coming. We're having a small prayer service. And it's, it's, it's been like I've enjoyed it. It's very small, but I have, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. One of our ladies, we take just a few minutes to talk about the things that we can praise the Lord for, the things we're thankful for. One of our ladies, Wednesday morning, just looked at us, I'm just so thankful for my salvation. 
When's the last time that you took just a minute to remember your salvation? To remember what God has done for you? For those of you that grew up in a church and that were saved at a young age, when's the last time that you took a moment to reflect upon, to remember the church that raised you, the church that built you, the church that God used to save you? My parents still attend the church where I grew up and where I was saved and baptized and cut my teeth even in ministry. Once or twice a year, I end up in that place for a funeral or perhaps for a wedding. The smells of that church take me back to great places in my life. I can walk into classrooms in that church, and even if the paint is different and the decorations are different, I can remember the lessons I learned in those places. And for just a few moments, there's joy for me in remembering what God has done for me in those places. There's joy in remembering. When this passage was written in Isaiah chapter 9, there was a memory there. Not not yet a memory of Christ who was coming, but they remembered what? Victory over Midian. There was joy in remembrance. And when they could bring into remembrance victories of the past, then they could envision the joy in victories of the future. Folks, there's nothing wrong with us occasionally getting lost in the thoughts of the past so that we can anticipate the joy of the future. When you remember what Christ has done, you prepare yourself, you rehearse yourself for the joy of celebration on the day when you stand before the Lord and declare, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. There's joy in remembering. And finally this morning, there's joy in the presence of Christ. Open your Bible back up and run to Isaiah 9. I don't just want to reference it. I want us to reread it. Beginning in verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth, And forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. To whom was this child born? To us a child is born. To us a son is given. What is the joy here? It's joy in the presence of Christ. Joy in the one that was given to us. Not only for us, but to us. Christ has arrived. He's the king. He's here. And in him, you can have joy. As we kind of move toward a conclusion here, I I want us to, to think about a comparison. Because one of the worst things that happens when we begin to talk about joy is we compare joy with happiness. 
And, and there are times, of course, when joy and happiness coincide with one another. I, I was at a wedding yesterday, and so we, we see at weddings where there is joy and happiness. We celebrate the exciting experience, and, 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 and everybody's happy. But there's also joyfulness in, in the deep commitments that are made there. It's, it's not a surface-level happy. But at the same time, there's happiness that's not necessarily a joyful happiness, right? Sometimes our, our happiness is very surface level. We're going to see some of that here at Christmas. We, kids are great about that, about being happy, but not necessarily being joyful occasionally. Little kids, right? So they can get a small toy, and they're just beside themselves. They're so happy, but they don't have any joy in that toy because they throw it to the side and they run to the next one. You've seen that? I love it. We, we get together with family, and uh, mine, are, mine are getting older where they don't do this quite as much, but the little kids are the best because they open the present, and they're so happy, but they don't have any joy in that gift because they want to push it to the side and see what's next. So we can be happy and joyful. We can be happy without necessarily being joyful. But folks, the greatest distinction that we need to draw is that there are times when we can experience joy when the life around us doesn't bring about happiness. And, and that joy is a joy knowing that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's, it's a joy drawing upon God's strength when I have none. It's a joy knowing that regardless of what the world looks like today, that Jesus is still in control and he's still on his throne. It's the joy that we're attempting to promote with this sermon series. It's Christmas anyway. The world is not as we want it to be, but it is Christmas anyway. It's a joy that says... Though everything should seem to rise up against me, I will be satisfied in Christ. It's a joy that is rooted deep. And really and truly, it's a joy that Jesus spoke of when Jesus spoke of those that built their house on the sand versus those who built their house upon the rock. See, those that build their house upon the sand can find happiness for a time, but when the winds and the waves of life come, their happiness crumbles like a house of cards around them. But those who plant themselves firmly in Christ find roots that sustain them. That the storms of life may batter the house, the winds may blow out the windows, the shingles may peel off, but the foundation stands firm, steady, and strong. Because the way of the world is not its strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. What is joy? Where is joy found? There's joy in victory, but that's especially true in Christ's victory on your behalf over death, hell, sin, and the grave. There's joy even in dark days because we know that Christ is our victory. There's joy in remembering and in reflecting. And finally this morning, there is joy in the presence of Christ. For to us, a child is born, and to us, a son is given. 
and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. He is our joy. And this morning, he's your joy. And if you're here this morning and you've lost the joy of Christmas, you've lost the joy of Christ, then I urge you this morning, fall on Jesus. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Or perhaps you're here this morning and you've never known the joy of Christ. You know only the sting of defeat. Perhaps when you hear the word of God preached, you can't find joy because the only thing you find is like the Israelites of old, weeping and mourning. Because as you consider the glory of this God and the sinfulness of your own estate, you need hope. And I want you to know today that Jesus is that hope. And he stands ready to hear you. This year has been weird, awkward, different. And I am concerned to some degree that perhaps the laid-back nature of our worship has caused us to lose the serious nature of our God. But I want you to know that just as the ancient Israelites could gather at the water gate in Jerusalem and hear the law proclaimed and understand the holiness of God and the joy that was to be found in him, so too can we, whether in a sanctuary, in a parking lot, or at home, hear the word of God preached Take it seriously and be changed. This morning, if I could help you in any way in making those steps toward Christ, I'll be standing right over here. Pastor Buster will be inside the sanctuary. If you're at home and you're watching us, maybe for the very first time, and you don't have a relationship with Christ, we want to help you meet him. Contact us. Or perhaps you're here today and you just need to spend some time in prayer right where you are. Pray. I'm going to tell you this, there's also victory and joy found as we lift our voices in praise to the God who saved us. Let's pray together. Father God in heaven, we thank you for being with us today. Thank you that there is joy in Christ. Father, I pray that we would turn to Jesus and find joy. In his name we pray. Amen. Stand with us this morning as we sing.